it's innocence until proven guilty, right? Or is it guilty until proven innocent now? The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Normally Saturdays from 3 to 6, I move around for UGA Sports. So today I'm on from noon to 2. And uh, uh, I am live taking calls. You're not used to hearing me on a Sunday, but uh, here I am. And what I do every week on my show, and today is no exception, is talk about what I think are the biggest, most important stories of the week. I'm a hardcore libertarian. Sometimes I go down the rabbit hole. But I always try to talk about the stories in the context of uh, the fundamental principles at stake. Because I think a lot of what makes it to the mainstream media, the big cable news and such, is, uh, is drama and diversion. And it's emotionally manipulative with the goal of moving you away from principles. So I like to take these uh, stories and redirect you towards the principles. So this week, there's uh, the story that I found to be most significant in that regard is uh, is that White House Staff Secretary Rob Porter, who I had never heard of before, resigned after allegations, which he denies, of his first and second ex-wife. The first uh, ex-wife publicized a picture of herself with a black eye and blamed him for it. And the second ex-wife had at one point put out a restraining order against him. Uh, So he's accused of domestic abuse, which he denies. Then uh, another guy, actually, David Sorensen, also resigned this week in light of domestic abuse allegations, which he also denies. But the second half of the Rob Porter story was that General John Kelly, the chief of staff of the White House, was aware of the allegations against Porter, still gave him security clearance, and uh, the media, particularly on the left, is calling for his resignation for allowing this guy to work in the White House in light of allegations. So there's two important fundamental issues at stake here. One, which I I didn't think I was the only one who was noticing it, but yesterday the president actually tweeted about it, so I, I for sure am not the only person noticing this. The president tweeted, people's lives are being shattered and destroyed by a mere allegation. Some are true, some are false, some are old, some are new. There is no recovery for someone falsely accused. Life and career are gone. Is there no such thing any longer as due process? So the idea is these people are guilty until proven innocent, and that has a powerful impact. Now, I think that Trump's tweet, I did say I go down the rabbit hole, and at the ra- the rabbit hole is usually gotten to by observing the dialectics. So you see, which is, I'm going to define it, there's a crisis, there's a reaction, and then there's a solution. So I think Donald Trump's tweet was the reaction, isn't there due process anymore? And the solution isn't going to be, yes, there is. Let us encourage people to avail themselves of the process that does actually work and is based on thousands of years of human civilization and the fundamental laws that have emerged therefrom. No, I think the solution is probably going to be something different. 
a new policy. And I and I noticed, and I want to talk about it a little bit later, in the Larry Nasser case, the gymnast doctor who was sentenced um, to many, many years in prison, rightly, it seems like to me. Uh, but the judge encouraged, she made comments like, this will hopefully result in new policies. But the guy's going to jail forever. So it seems like the policy and the process is there. We can talk about that. I'm happy to have that conversation. But uh, so, but my ma- basic point is, it is absolutely critical to keep in mind innocence until proven guilty because, because, <laughs> I'm letting my New York show, uh, because there is, uh, it's a, it is one of our most basic, if not the most basic, defense against uh, the power of government. So you think about our Bill of Rights, you think about our founding compromise, contract, compact, and it's about restraint. It's about giving government tremendous amount of power in that you're delegating your self-defense to it and the power that comes with that. And then you need to protect yourself from that power. And one of the ways to do that is to insist on innocent until proven guilty because you could have government actors, or in this case, it's it's simply the court of public opinion persecuting people, neutralizing people for political reasons by using these unrelated allegations. So what I think is going on here, a major, major element of this whole meme is to get the left, who historically should be the staunchest defenders of innocent until proven guilty because they... uh, Um, identify with identities and minorities and people who against whom there are prejudices are the ones who suffer the most when you talk about guilty until proven innocent people presume guilty it's often uh, a you know the people who would be most endangered by that are people who are the victim of prejudice so the left should fall on their swords for innocent until proven guilty but this theme is also about identity it's about women and it's and and it's outrageous. Sometimes it's about children, so it's a way, kind of like the way uh, transgender bathrooms gets the right to give up on subsidiarity, which is the preeminence of the local government over the federal government. The I feel like the sexual harassment stuff is a way to get the left to give up on its principle because of the emotional impact of the actual acts uh, on the innocent until proven guilty. So that's the first fundamental target, I think, agenda item of this meme, which is getting so much press right now, the sexual harassment stuff. But there's a subtler one that's brought out by this Rob Porter story, which is General John Kelly calls for his resignation, really fold in with this idea that not only do you need to see something, say something, if you hear something, rumor, you need to do something. And if not, you should be held accountable. You should experience repercussions. And I'm not just making this up. There was like that this is an agenda item there. I first stumbled upon this recently when I was looking at Justin Amash. Uh, He's a congressman who posts on his Facebook page his constitutional reasons behind the bills that he votes for or against. And he recently had to defend himself as being one of three people who voted against a bill, 406 voted for it, to make criminal a, uh, let me see how he writes it, how he put it exactly. It says it would make a federal crime for an adult who works with amateur athletes to fail to report any instance of suspected child abuse. 
So it's a federal crime if you don't report suspected child abuse. Now, how how is someone going to prove that you suspected a child abuse? You know, I mean, and and then who you're supposed to report it to? And actually, the bill includes these panels and arbitration and everything for how to prosecute this stuff. And you know, it takes away due process from the people who you know. It's fraught. The whole bill is fraught with extra constitutional processes and thought crime, thought police, stuff like that. It's a real agenda item here is the see something, say something thing and making us police each other. And by putting it first in the context of something very specific, amateur athletes as a result of the Larry Nasser trial and, uh, you know, who could be against protecting the children but that's how they do it, of course. That's how they get you stop looking at your principles. So he laid out like five or five, at least five different principles of why he voted against this. But I think it's on the president's desk right now. I think this is passing. They're going to be signed into law. Uh, it, it, it's hard to really. We know fundamentally what's wrong with with these violating these principles. I got a great tweet that helped clarify at least one of the issues with the um, making it a crime not to say something. What, uh, Binkley, how you doing, Binkley? I'm good. I know you did not get a lot of sleep last night. You had a family emergency, so I think it's heroic that you showed up. Oh, thank you. I saw those curlers working (laughs) so hard in the Olympics. It inspired me. Yes, because they dedicated their life to that. And I know it's quite early for you. Yeah, <laughs> it's noon. Um, so I did highlight a tweet. Could you read that one to me from Greg Sweet? The one that talks about the Gestapo? Yes, yes. Okay. Greg tweets that the Gestapo created a culture of denunciation, which destroyed the goodwill that comes comes from people living in peace and privacy together. It replaced goodwill and tolerance with suspicion, resentment, and paranoia, and the breakdown of civil society. Nazi Germany was a psychological version of Hobbes' war against all because denunciation was institutionalized in Germany as a norm. The Stasi was able to walk directly into the void left by the Gestapo. That's heavier than I thought. That's quite a history lesson, too. I know. I didn't realize that it was more than I could digest in like what tweets worth of information because it was a picture. It was probably more words than a tweet could be. But the but in China, they also had that people would tell on their own families under Mao's time. That's back in China, actually. That's back. And they have even automatic penalties for it, kind of like this bill has penalties that are outside the regular due process there as they move more towards digital currencies and everything. They can kind of stop people's ability to interact economically, even as early as just being suspected or accused of a crime. They can shut you down so you can't buy stuff at the grocery store. So these are these are the elements of police state. And you can be as outraged as you want. I'm outraged by uh, these abuses. I personally have experienced probably every single sexual harassment, um, abuse, assault, discrimination. And I'm not even like that damaged by it. I'm not complaining about it. I'm saying I know it's real because I bet since probably every one of those things happened to me, that at least one of those things has probably happened to every woman. And I know it's there. And because of that truth, that underlying truth, 
Uh, it's easy to get people outraged to believe. I want to talk about, I want to take your calls, and at the bottom of the hour, uh, I want to talk about my, um, about the Larry Nasser thing, and if we can get to the Harvey Weinstein thing. There's some interesting details about these stories that I think are worth getting into you're not hearing anywhere else. 800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Wow, that was intense. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. 67 and wet outside, a four on the Mellish meter. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemade Heating and Air. And we're talking about what's going on this week. Rob Porter, David Sorensen, people who resigned from the White House staff after allegations, which they deny, of domestic abuse. And then to layer on top of that, John Kelly, the White House chief of staff, people have called for his resignation for allowing these guys to get security clearance or at least keep their jobs after allegations surfaced. So you've got that guilty until proven innocent thing working, but you also have Kelly not acting on mere accusations and having to be held accountable for that. Now, it plays into another agenda item, in my opinion, the see something, say something thing. But I'm down the rabbit hole because Kelly, just a week or two ago, said of the dreamers that maybe they were too lazy to get off their bleeps to uh, to take care of the process they needed to do to remain in this country. And it was such a provocative and impolitic thing to say. I couldn't help but think that this guy was setting himself up for something. And now people are really inclined to hold him as a bad guy because he says stuff like that. I see that as a game, a a dramatic event for our consumption, playing into an agenda item that spans decades. And I'm going to play a real quick clip that Binkley found for me of Chertoff, the former Homeland Security Secretary, I think in 2011, hinting that they want to change fundamentally the way the law works. Let's, uh, Mark, do we have that clip? Congress hasn't done and needs to do is to actually sit down and think through, uh, in a bipartisan way, what is the legal architecture we need to deal with this 21st century challenge? So what's happening here, and we're getting it from all sides, and I think we're going to continue to see it, is people are, are starting to act like our fundamental laws that have emerged over thousands of years that were um, uh, enshrined in our founding documents are no longer relevant for the new man, for the new society. So let's keep talking about this. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB. Saturday is from 3 to 6 is my normal slot. I'm moving around, though. Today it's Sunday. I'm on till 2, taking calls 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. We've been talking about, there's a lot to talk about with the sexual harassment theme that you find all over the media these days. And it's, it's taking many different forms. 
I think that ultimately the agenda is one, and it's to undermine our fundamental legal principles so that people are guilty until proven innocent, that they have uh, don't have the due process they're entitled to. And by uh, putting putting these issues in the context that of the actions are so egregious, so emotionally horrible that people just want to, they don't want to hear. It's, it's like when a murder happens or a, a terrorist attack happens. If you object to the official narrative, people think you're for the criminal. If you think the guy maybe is innocent, they think you're for murder, you know? But what we have to remember in all these emotional cases is you have to make sure the guilty are punished and not the innocent because we're innocent, right? So if you don't keep the protections up for falsely accused people, you could be targeted, not because you're actually molesting somebody, then they wouldn't need to, you know, they don't need to undermine the process if they're only going after guilty people. They undermine the process when they want to use charges of sexual harassment or whatever of any crime against you for your political views, your political power, or any other reason, even an axe to grind. So we must always defend Innocent until proven guilty, no matter how horrible the crime. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the Larry Nasser case, who was the U.S. Olympic doctor who uh, was convicted of child pornography and molesting girls. And I want to talk about that in a second. Bingley, you got a tweet for me that's um, relevant to this discussion? I have one that's relevant to Chertoff, which you yep. said about him. Other Mr. Edmund tweets that, don't forget, Chertoff helped write the USA Patriot Act. Yes. Uh, we were talking earlier, Chertoff was the Homeland Security Director uh, who wants a different legal architecture of for this country. And he wrote the USA Patriot Act. And I think it's important uh, to note that he is a dual citizen of the United States and Israel. And Israel has uh, does not have the same legal protections that we have they they from what i've heard about them they kind of are like a country under siege and they they're pragmatic when it comes to uh individual rights they they want safety first and they just you know you can be stopped and interrogated anytime that kind of thing you have to have your papers i mean i don't know about the details but they're in a different situation we whether right or wrong i'm not opining but um we have you know, oceans on our borders. We have this, we are the original um, you know, Enlightenment era constitution where we enshrine these protections against government. And I would say for good reason, because actually when you, when you cut corners with these fundamental principles, you destabilize the system. And people will not voluntarily cooperate with it. I mean, mostly you have civil society, civilization, because people are voluntarily uh, cooperating. They're refraining from crimes. And, uh, and when you can be punished for, even, even if you're innocent, you're going to stop cooperating. Then you're going to have people go underground. You're going to have people go rogue. You're going to have people who want to really revolt. Can I get a witness, Binkley? Amen, sister. <laughs> I just feel like, you know, we are the ones, we, we talk about American exceptionalism. When you dig into that, a lot of times it means we are an exception 
two fundamental laws, particularly of sovereignty. We recently bombed Syria. This was the funny. I mean, it's not funny, but I was like, who is who is reading these headlines with a straight face? U.S. bombed Syrian aligned troops in Syria, Syrian government aligned troops in Syria. You know, I mean, is that not a violation of national sovereignty? Is there any way to rewrite that headline that does not sound like what? What? Where where do we get off? We live in a world where we're told to see things through one perspective. And and people think that because you have Fox and CNN that you actually are getting two perspectives. But when it comes to debt and deficits and war, they don't disagree. They're all all. And some would say they're all working for the military industrial complex, for the bankers, for the defense companies. You know, I mean, you when push comes to shove, they are all ensuring that the the endless war continues and the endless debt continues and all the other stuff to me is just a uh, drama which is what makes me think about this Nasser thing here's something interesting so this guy Larry Nasser has been on my radar since before he was really making big news he was a doctor for the US gymnast team where fairly young girls and uh, he was convicted here's the thing he he He's serving three sentences. He was sentenced three times recently. But every one of his um, uh, so-called convictions was plea bargains. So he pled to three counts in federal court of child pornography, two of child pornography and one of obstruction. Now, the feds say they found 37,000 images of like even raping children. He's really super, super screwed up. I mean, this guy... Whatever. It's bad. And uh, his other two convictions was one. See, now people think that he was he was convicted of like 250 cases. He actually pled to seven in one county, pled pled to to abusing seven girls in another county. He pled guilty to abusing three girls. Now, it's awful. One girl. It's awful, 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 awful. I mean, that's I heard on the news the other day. They said repeatedly. I heard this more than once. There's nothing worse than bigotry. Nothing. I would say what this guy does is worse than bigotry by a mile. So uh, he's got so so. But like weird things started. But so I was like, obviously, this is a rare example of what you see is what you get. This guy is a disgusting, abusive pig and really needs to be locked up forever at the least. But then. The judge is kind of weird. She lets 250 people have victim statements, but there were only 10 in the legal cases, 10 victims. Then at another point, um, the one of the dads who supposedly had three girls victimized by him can't control himself, leaps over the table to beat him up. Now, this is a guy, the three girls, you would assume that they would have come to him and corroborated. Now, I understand, I do understand how this stuff works that people don't believe you you don't want to come forward uh uh there's i'm absolutely not judging how they handled it but it looked just it just smacked weird like when i looked at it i was like i don't know so i was starting to wonder about this case and i uh there was one one victim's testimony that was so graphic and disgusting it felt to me like it was following in in the theme of like vulgarity and uh, you know just gratuitous bad language and stuff so i brought normally i don't like to you know listen to this stuff or watch it just disturbs me but i listened to her statement kyle stevens her name was 
And I will tell you, it's been a very long time since I have watched a highly publicized, dramatic event and thought, man, I think that person's telling the truth. And I really felt that she was telling the truth, like the way she told her story. And I, I, so, so that would be for me as a, as a judge and jury or juror, I would, she would pass the first pass to me. You look her in the eye, you hear her story. Um, I would want to know if she had, you know, if she was, a, a, had 10 years of acting experience that might influence me to think otherwise, but this is how the process works. You face your accuser, and in and this was the first girl. She was the one who got him arrested. She was actually not a patient of his, but a neighbor, and it was very hard for her. Story was terrible, and uh, and that's how the process works. The process does not work. Always believe the woman, right? So now you have this woman who, uh, at this juncture, I absolutely, positively believe her. There's 250 women who are also considered. And I know, Binkley, you have a thing about this, like equally valid victims. A lot of them are suing in civil court for damages from this guy. And if you have this policy, this uh, public opinion policy where it says, always believe the woman, that is what they call perverse incentive. It's a moral hazard to have people come forward making claims. And then so this Kyle Stevens, her father was ill and killed himself. And she thinks that part of why he had no will to live was was when he realized that he had not believed her for so long and then it was true what had happened so here are some real damages actually probably financial damages that if she has to share in a lawsuit with 250 other people of more or less valid claims more or less egregious claims that's a that's a disservice to her you know it's hard to really understand why is it why is it wrong not to give the benefit of the doubt to everybody? So when I see this, I absolutely believe her. And what he did was the worst thing, really, uh, really destroy a life, torture somebody forever from the feelings that she has to live with. Still, we need process and procedure. And what we should be doing is urging people. Binkley, you asked me yesterday, you know, what, what do I want to see the outcome of some particular political thing we were talking about. And I said, I really don't want an outcome. I want, I just want people to think and wake up. In this case, I'll tell you, I actually do want an outcome. I would like people to uh, encourage victims to come forward and use that process. And I'll tell you, it actually works. In my personal experience, I recall in the 90s, the late, I don't know when it was, In the was it mid-90s maybe, there were some huge settlements by secretaries who were harassed by their bosses. And, uh, and I noticed in my working life that uh, certainly at the bank, the banks I worked at, these guys would come out and say, hey man, if I have to pay my bonus money because you get fresh with your secretary, I am going to string you up from a flagpole. I don't care about your secretary and I don't care about you, but I care about my money and you're not harassing these people or you're out. And it really, really works. Now in government, it doesn't really work that way because it's the taxpayer who pays, who has the deep pockets. Like with Larry Nassar, it'll probably be the taxpayers who pay. So maybe all those 250 people will get something. But when, when you connect real punishment with real crimes, you get real deterrence. 
And that's what we should be promoting. Instead, even the judge in the Nasser case said, we need to change policy. This is a guy who's going to jail for the rest of his life, which she gloated about, rightly. But we, don't, we need to enforce policy, use the policy, and encourage people that the law is there for them. I want to... Um, I want to talk about the Rose McGowan, Harvey Weinstein thing, too. Let's do that after the break. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. It's a man A man On News 95.5 and AM 750, WSB. High today of 67. Tomorrow's high 65. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. Uh, I just recapped the case of Larry Nasser, uh, who was the convicted and now sentenced doctor of the U.S. gymnasts who molested the girls and um, had just troves of kiddie porn. Really an awful story. And the more you dig into it, the more awful it, it feels. And I actually literally could not sleep last night. Like I woke up a few times with that, how horrible that is. Isn't that funny? And I had started by thinking there's something wrong with this story. Like, why is it being exploited for dramatic purposes? There, This is truly an example of don't let a crisis go to waste because the crisis was, from what I can tell, really real and very disturbing. But that is juxtaposed to what I find very humorous, which is Scott Baio's video rebuttal of his former co-worker's accusations that he raped her or something. I have to, I don't have time right at this second to play clips or anything of it. And I actually would not, but Scott Bayo actually has a recording of his accuser on a like TV show, or radio show explaining how she seduced him telling when it happened. So she was clearly already an adult and, uh, and I, it's not getting a lot of press, but this guy defended himself, and I just love it. I really, it really tickles my funny bone that he made this 16-minute video. But what's really hilarious about it is that he starts out, like, behind the scenes, I guess, as his lawyer telling him what to do. She's actually kind of annoying. He's calling her sweetheart. <laughs> I'm like... Dude, that doesn't make you look like not a sexual harasser. You're calling your own lawyer's sweetheart. Uh, anyway, so I I actually did tweet that video. Maybe I'll retweet it. That's a good one. And then at the top of the hour in just a minute, I will uh, tell you a little of nuances on the Rose McGowan story, the one who launched this whole sexual harassment meme after the break. Tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.